Hi, I'm Juan Aragon. And I'm Nate Specht. And this is The The Main Main Scoop. Scoop. Alright, welcome to episode 5 of The Main Scoop. Today we have our friend Aiden Jones on. Hello. Yeah, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, Aiden? Yeah, sounds good. Um, So I was born in Texas, but I grew up in Wisconsin, uh, in Superior, and just a little outside of it. I'm currently studying vocal performance and digital filmmaking at University of Wisconsin Superior. First UWS student on the pod. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. We're reaching other campuses now, just besides this UMD and LSC. Yeah. <laughs> As in me, LSC. <laughs> but obviously, we're UMD's Newman Center, but we got some U- UWS, some College of St. Scholastica, and I guess one LSC. Yeah, I think I'm like the only like, like Superior College kid here. <laughs> well, I guess John Paul Narog, he's there too. But yeah. Pretty okay. Much. Yes. Two LSC. Two. Yeah. Me and JP. Yeah. We keep we keep it going. Yeah. I think for the first time in the pod, we have two guys who live in Wisconsin and one guy who lives in Minnesota. Wisconsin is outnumbering <laughs> Minnesota for a change. Yeah. That's yeah. That's ganging up on you. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Yeah. So another fun fact about Aiden, he is one of the freshmen in Nate and I's Bible study. Yep. Yeah, that's been that's been fun. <laughs> every every well, Monday night. Yep. Glad glad to hear that you think it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should ask you guys. Has it, has it been fun? <laughs> Loads. <laughs> it's yeah. been great actually. It's been really good to mm-hmm. get to know these guys and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been an interesting experience for me because I've never actually done any sort of Bible study mm. um, before. This is the first time. Um, doing that so it's been it's been a good experience yeah especially this year where we have lots of the guys like aiden he's been usually joining us via zoom along with a couple other guys from a part of the study because just again covid this There's year there's a bit of things. a pandemic going on in case you haven't noticed <laughs> well and and for for me especially it's i, I live 20 minutes out exactly of the so that's a, that's about a 45 hour long trip uh to yeah. get up here exactly so. <laughs> when, we're, when we're meeting at 7 30 at night getting done around 8 30 yeah it's like, <laughs> gets a little late get a little dark especially <laughs> nowadays and so yeah makes sense but yeah so you're a music and film major yep so that's um something that i've I kind of got got into probably early teenage years was um, filmmaking, and then my dad's a percussion professor, um, and my mom was a vocalist, so uh, music's definitely in the family. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love filmmaking and love storytelling, and um, the way that um, I can try to incorporate the faith into that as much as possible. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Nate, again, two music majors, and then. And then- me yeah you're Man. you're outnumbered on multiple fronts yeah right? one and i just well, need to start our own podcast and we can no. have you on oh, okay. <laughs> yep. i see how it is nate you're being replaced <laughs> it's only episode five <laughs> you are the weakest link i watched that show last night with my parents it was really good i actually haven't seen it that's the funny part yeah it's, i don't it's, it's, i don't know it at all it's got jane, jane lynch is hosting it and it's pretty funny it's just literally like trivia and so I did pretty good. I was like jumping along with them, answering all the trivia questions. Felt pretty confident in myself. But then again, I usually watch Jeopardy like most nights, so I, I learned my trivia. Yeah. So, Aiden, what do you have for us today? Uh, well, today we're going to be talking about uh, Pentecost, so um, second chapter of um, Acts of the Apostles, um, and and in this, um, this is after after the ascension, 
and um, the Holy Spirit comes down upon the apostles and the Blessed Virgin Mary, and um, they spe start speaking in different tongues, um, and then um, the the Jews and the people um, of Jerusalem are questioning, like, what's going on? This is, you know, not not very normal that they can they can all hear hear them in their native tongue. Um, so then Peter gives this this great speech, um, and and evangelizes and converts. Um, I, I think it's what, um, three thousand people. Um, just at that, only, at that one, only three thousand. Yeah. I mean, give a speech and convert three thousand, but um, small numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one thing that really uh, stands out to me um, about this, one of the reasons that I, I wanted to talk about it, um, was that it, it's it's kind of the Holy Spirit's big moment, um, where where when you think Holy Spirit, you kind of your mind auto automatically goes to Pentecost, yeah. at least for me. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's one big reason. Um, and I was confirmed a couple of years ago now, and that was one of the kind of big, um, moments for me, uh, in my faith journey thus far. Was that um, actually on Pentecost too? Were you that was not, to... that would have been oh, awesome. I, I, was actually, I was able to be confirmed actually on Pentecost, which was awesome. Really cool. <laughs> that's but... great. So my, my confirmation was scheduled in the middle of April. And if you live anywhere that isn't, you know, the Northern part of the country usually that's a good time to have a confirmation because it's easter and you don't really have to worry about weather or anything except for when you live in northeast wisconsin when yeah we got a huge snowstorm that whole weekend in that it started snowing on friday snowed all day saturday and then there was a little break saturday night which conveniently was right when the confirmation was scheduled so there was a little break in the snowstorm and so I got to the confirmation. I got confirmed by my parish priest who got the permission from the bishop to do the confirmation because the bishop was not able to make the drive down from Green Bay. And then after the confirmation that night, we got hit with even more snow. And yeah, snow day on Monday. But yeah, I was not confirmed on Pentecost either. I was confirmed in the middle of a snowstorm in April. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just special. <laughs> See, are... I got that over both Yeah, you there guys. you go. I got it. <laughs> you are very special, Nate. Thank you. One, one of the other things I really like about um, the scripture passage is um, Peter's just honest preaching. Mm -hmm. um, where he, sa he says straight out, like, this Jesus who you killed. Like, he, he's not beating around the bush. He's not like, uh, and then there's, you know, this Jesus guy and... He died. <laughs> He's like, no, you, you killed him. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, 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 there's a problem here. <laughs> but then, and I think this is a great um, example of kind of how the church views sin too. It's not like you killed Jesus. It's you killed Jesus, but mm -hmm. and but repent and and um, become a Christian. So that's, that's just something that really uh, strikes me about this. That the church doesn't um, just point out our sin like up. Oh, you're you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner, and that would be true, but the church says you're a sinner. Now, you know, repent. Go to confession. Yeah, mm -hmm. come back. You know, Aiden, you talked about how Peter gives this super invigorating speech, um, and it's really interesting because in the in verse four, Acts chapter two, verse four, it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. And it was just really interesting about what we were talking about. I think this was uh, 
to three weeks ago because we didn't have an episode last week. Uh, three weeks ago with Brett um, about how the Lord is going to use the raw skills that you have to carry out his work. And um, how we get that to here with the apostles, with Peter just like um, that lowly fisherman who wasn't this like super eloquent speaker. And now the spirit is enabling him to proclaim and to carry out this mission that he was given. Yeah, I always find that kind of interesting, like how you say it, like how Peter was a fisherman, like all this stuff, like with all these, just all of Jesus' disciples just being, coming from such, uh, just different backgrounds of different, like they were all in like different professions, but yet they were still able to, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, were able to bring all these people, even though they might have been like fishermen or tax collectors and not scholars or anything like that, but they were still with their speeches be able to do such incredible things to bring so many people towards Christ. Mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, one one other thing that I really love about um, Peter's speech is that there's there's no uh, sort of relativism in it. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, you guys do you, and, you know, God's fine with that. It's like, no, be baptized. Like, yeah. like convert, be baptized, do, um, do this. He, he doesn't act like it's, it's enough just to go on with your normal everyday life. It's like this encounter with the Holy Spirit um necessitates a change mm-hmm. um, and a conversion on a deeper level. I think we see it so often where um, we're presented with the message of the mighty acts of God because that's what uh, verse 11 says that the, the disciples were talking about, the mighty works of God, and we're presented with them and we're like, wow, that's really cool. But like you were saying, it's Peter saying, well, okay, here's what the Lord has done for you. This, and this is what you need to actually do. You actually have to take action on this. You can't just like sit there and kind of passively receive grace. You have to be this active recipient of grace. And yeah, I think there's also something interesting there with um, everyone else's response to this, right? They they uh, are speculating that they've had too much new wine, which I just think, yeah. I just think it's funny. And then of course Peter's response is, "It's only nine in the morning." <laughs> Five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so they're like, there's, there's too much new wine. Um, but I think that's a great example of uh, kind of like what, what we're talking about, how um, the Holy Spirit uh, invites a change in us, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, I think it was G.K. Chesterton who, who talked about the idea of like um, the holy fool, right? That um, being seen as foolish in the eyes of the world um because you're living for christ and you're living um living in 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 a way that's contrary to what um the world would think of as making sense and especially in our in our very anti-christian culture today um you're actually talking about this last yeah, time in the bible funny, study yeah. which is really interesting um interesting how that kind of got weaved in here um but yeah, in our very anti-Christian culture today about how people don't like talking about religion. No. Um, yeah. Jim Gaffigan has a great bit about it <laughs> that like, uh, I'm not even going to try paraphrasing Jim Gaffigan because Jim Gaffigan is Jim Gaffigan and I will never be as funny as Jim Gaffigan because <laughs> he's just like one of my all-time favorite comedians. Um, but yeah, he talks about how like, people get really uncomfortable when you bring up Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, he talks about how you can come up to the Pope and 
talk about Jesus and the Pope's going to be like, oh, uh, yeah, I like to keep my work stuff at work. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's that's not what we're being called to do. That's definitely not what Peter does. And that's not what um, people who are living out in the spirit, that's not what they do. They're not afraid to speak about the Lord, about his mighty acts as the apostles were doing. I think one thing for me, um, I can think that, oh, well, that's that's great for like full time missionaries who like mm-hmm. know what they're talking about all the time and, and, you know, have everything together. But it's like I'm I, you know, I'm just your your average guy who's just trying to do his level best to, to get to heaven and, yeah. you know, live a good life. Um, but then, you know, I kind of have to realize that as a baptized Christian, um, no, I might not be a missionary like this, or, or a priest, or um, you know something like that. This might not be my actual full time job. But as a baptized Christian, it is my full time job. Like this is my primary um, the thing I need to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a really good song that I was obsessed with in like middle school. It's by a guy, a musician named Josh Wilson. The song is called "I Refuse," and he wrote it after the 2010 earthquake in Haiti. The song's about just all this brokenness and um, sickness and woundedness in the world and how um, Josh Wilson singing the song refuses to um, just kind of sit on the sidelines and watch it all happen. And there's this one line in the song that always sticks out to me where it says, I refuse to wait for someone else to do what God is calling me to do myself. Hmm. Um, Mm. and yeah, I think kind of what you were saying that like, we expect God to give these missions to, you know, full-time missionaries, to priests, to nuns, to monks. Um, but you know, the, the Lord is calling us to do something ourselves and, um, he has this incredible humility to say that here's a facet of my will that only you can accomplish because only you know this person, only you uh, have this position at this job, only you have this specific, unique blend of gifts and talents, so only you can fulfill this will. And if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it. It's really interesting, yeah. I think also one interesting thing about this this scene is that up until now... um, I mean, it says they're they're gathered together, right? But that means that they're not going out, like they're not being missionaries. They're they're all gathered together, you know, all the 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 apostles and Mary. But then, as soon as the Holy Spirit gets on the scene, what do they do? They go and proclaim God's goodness and and this new message, um, you know, and 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 convert three thousand people, you know, in one day. Yeah, and as I was kind of reading about reading and reflecting on this, um, especially in verse 11, where it says, uh, we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. I was just, I just started thinking about how, um, they're overflowing with this gift of the Holy spirit that's come into their lives. And all they can do is praise God for all the things that he's done. And, um, when we considered a person of the Holy spirit, um, we know that he is, the love between the father and the son and the love that is so powerful that it becomes this third person. Then I started thinking, well, if the Holy Spirit is this love between the father and the son, that's 
only it's only natural because what are what do you do when you're praising God? Well, you're loving God, um, and yeah, just taking that further about how like the Holy Spirit enables us to love God in a more perfect way uh, through the service that we do for others, um, our ability to praise God um, for priests, their ability through the church to forgive sins. Like that's all the Holy Spirit working in us and it's all for the love of God. Going off what you said with, um, you know, with with the, the pra- praising God and loving God, um, you know, think of someone that you love. You're not going to be using your words to tear them down, right? You're, you're trying to build them up and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, praise them. Um, when you see something that they've done, that's, that's really awesome. Um, and that, you know, I think, I think that's kind of a similar thing that's going on here, right. With the Holy spirit being the love, um, between the, the father and the son, that, it, that it makes sense that that would be expressed as praise. Um, it's almost like the Holy spirit, it, it strengthens them. It gives them courage, but then it also gives them this great joy and this desire to share this gift with others. Yeah, that's, it's interesting to think, yeah. And what I really liked about what you said was how you said that they were doing it with joy. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you can you can kind of read Peter's speech and think that he's just yelling at them like, you killed Jesus, and he was the son of God. Way to go. <laughs> Good uh, job. It, that's not what Peter's saying, and I don't think that's his tone. I think he's saying like, no, we are rejoicing that the Lord has given given us this opportunity, because you know in verses um, verses nineteen through twenty one, Peter's talking about this apocalypse, how the sun is going to be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and splendid day of the Lord. But before he started talking about that, he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that there's going to be this apocalypse, but as he says in verse twenty one, everyone shall be saved who calls on the name of the Lord. Mm. Um, and so I think that there's really just this, there's this joy in Peter's speech. And I think that it's that joy that was so contagious that it's, um, as it says in verse 37, that cut to the heart of so many people. I think it's um, a lot of people are walking away from the church because they don't see the joy in the church. They see happiness happening happiness happening outside of the church and um yeah we have to like recognize that the holy spirit enables us to proclaim the good news because Mm. it in fact is good news and we should be proclaiming it with joy yeah that what you're saying how it's like outside of the church that's just like another way of how our culture nowadays has changed us and made us feel that like like we were saying earlier like we are uncomfortable to talk about Jesus, even with the Pope himself. Like <laughs> it makes that's just how life has become, and it's like it's a challenge that we have to like fight every day to continue that challenge, like that that fight, and just continue to do what we were put here on the earth to do. With, with what by being baptized Christians was what that means to be and stuff. Well, one thing that really struck me about what you're saying about um, Peter's joy um, just just kind of called to mind um, the the amazing, inspiring joy of um, young religious sisters and young mm-hmm. priests. Like, that that's that's just something, you know, you think of 
you think of nuns and you think these kind of crotchety old ladies, you know, yeah, gri- yeah. gripping their rosary beads and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and slapping kids with rulers. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, what was that? We, do we, what was that Bible study? I think we talked about this last night about nuns or was that? Yes. I yeah, think. you mentioned because you were like yeah, telling we, a story. We, we, or we or joked yeah. about that at the end about how like I'm how like yeah you think about oh we were talking about like how um when you go to daily mass back home and usually a different away from during the summer or something like that when you go to mass it's usually just like a lot of old ladies be- wonderful old ladies dev- uh, strong there, devout Christians. it's this really adorable old lady at my church my sister and i referred to her as cute grandma because <laughs> she is like your stereotypical grandma with like the cat eye glasses and the short curly hair and she has the cutest Irish accent and she's a lector sometimes and when my sister and I see that she's lecturing we get so excited because it's like this is this is so great yeah, yeah you said she had an <laughs> Irish accent <laughs> yeah. too right? yeah that's that'd be from the book of the prophet Jeremiah <laughs> yeah. that's great exactly but yeah that's what we like we think about that but like especially like for like sisters and like nuns and stuff like that but then you see just like the yeah, the joy that some like some and you, some of the young like ones like we, in the city of Duluth here we have um the handmaids um handmaids of I, the heart of Jesus heart of Jesus something like yeah I'm, I'm I'm blanking right now on the exact but they're based out of uh southern Minnesota and they um there's some incredible women. They're all younger, un, un, like a majority, like all the ones living in Duluth are under 40 and stuff. And so they're really just like great young women and stuff. And they come around like we have on Fridays throughout the fall here this semester, we've been doing the thing called Frisbee Friday where we play ultimate Frisbee in, back in the field behind the, our uh, Newman Center here. And a couple weeks ago, they came and were in their full-on habits <laughs> running around playing ultimate Frisbee with a group with about 20, 20, 30 college kids. And it was one of the coolest things ever. Like... <laughs> It's not something you'd expect, but it's just, like, pure joy that you just, like, seeing them. And just, like, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I was at a um, high school discipleship um, kind of weekend retreat, um, I think last year, a couple years ago. um, And uh, the missionaries of the word um, were there. Mm. Same sort of thing. Yes. Super young, just just super joyful. Sister Bernadette, Sister Lucia. Yes, yes, yeah. Love the missionaries of the word. Shout out to the missionaries of the word at Catholic Youth Expeditions. Wonderful ministry. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Mother Mary Catherine is a living saint. <laughs> anyway, I think part of it is is just the the joy of a life just fully um fully dedicated to one thing. I think it was Pope Saint John Paul II who said, um, man cannot truly find himself except through a sincere gift of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that, that, that's one thing that, that has always strike, really striked me about, um, young, young, uh, religious. And, um, I think Peter's, um, this joy of Peter that you were talking about reminded me a lot of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And they, yes, they committed themselves to the Lord, but in Acts, uh, 242, we see ex- exactly how they did it. Um, and it says that they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to the communal life, to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. Mm. I first really started paying attention to this verse last year when uh, it was actually kind of around this time that I was starting to prepare a talk that I was going to deliver at my home parish back in Appleton uh, to a group of high schoolers centered on the topic, how do I keep my faith in college? And I talked to one of our focus missionaries, Tim Heiderman, and I asked him, okay, you went to college, 
you've been a focused missionary for three years. What are what are some things that you've um, what are some things that you've picked up on that you think that high schoolers really need to know before they come to college? And he said the four pillars of the early church: the teaching of the apostles, community, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. Mm. Wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, those are all such important things that like you really, really do need like in every situation in your life kind of just like to continue to keep those four as a main part of your life and everything yeah well it reminds me too of of um that each of these things are kind of focusing on different aspects forming different aspects of the human person right you've got Mm -hmm. the communal life which is more about um relationships um the the breaking of the bread obviously um the eucharist and um that and then private prayer uh, and then teaching the apostles, which is more intellectual um, side of things, uh, not growing stagnant in your understanding of the faith. Um, but that just that just makes me think of, of how this is this is like a roadmap for how to be a well-rounded, well-developed person, you know, in the Christian mm-hmm. faith. And unfortunately, I think it happens so often that um, that we neglect one of the four because we think that it's not as important as the other ones. Uh, like even last night we were talking about the importance of community and um, how when you're centered around a solid Catholic community, how you thrive. But when you are removed from that community, it's a lot harder to live out your faith. And I think that that's one of the, the biggest ones that a lot of college students struggle with, that they come to, they walk onto campus and especially freshmen, they walk on and they think, okay, I'm going to be best friends with my roommate and everyone in my hall. And sometimes that works. Most of the time it doesn't. Like I had, I had a really good friend who was in my hall last year. So I'm not saying that like everyone in my hall was horrible, but it's also like, okay, what are they actually um, all searching for? And really that's like a big question that if you are in high school and you're going to college or you're listening to this over break and you're going back to school, think about that. Like, what am I searching for? What do I really want to get out? Because that's going to answer that question of who do I want to be around? Because there's that big thing of like, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I was just thinking about too. And if you surround yourself with people that have the same end goal, mm-hmm. then that makes sense that your your chances of getting to that goal are exponentially higher than if you're just trying to solo it and, and uh, you know, be surrounded because even if you even if you think that your friends don't have that much of an influence over you, they really do. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was in preparation for that same talk that I was talking about earlier. I talked to Father Mike about it, and uh, he gave me this analogy um, that I definitely did use in the talk um, <laughs> about if you're training for the Olympics, why are you going to surround yourself with people who are going to help you make excuses on your workout schedule? your diet, your sleep schedule, you know, all these things that you need to be doing if you're going to be an Olympic athlete. And somehow, some way, we think that it's okay to make that those same excuses when it comes for something that's a lot bigger than the Olympics when it comes to eternity. We're okay with, with um, hanging out with people who are going to make excuses for us when it comes to, you know, following the teachings of the apostles, sticking to prayer, going to mass with the breaking of the bread, who are going to kind of undermine the other three pillars of the early church. 
Yeah, I love I love that um, analogy of training for training for the Olympics. Um, I think one thing that's just is is so important to have friends that'll um, call you on to greatness, but also occasionally call you out. Like mm-hmm. I know I know you can do better than this. Mm-hmm. You know, I I um, heard this story of how uh, C.S. Lewis would read something of of J.R.R. Tolkien's, and he would hand it back to him and say, better Tolkien, better, <laughs> you know, and, and this, this sort of idea of like, you, you can do better than that. You know, I, mm-hmm. I know what you're capable of, um, better, <laughs> you know, this sort of, um, uh, verso l'alto, like yes. to the heights of, of Pier Giorgio Fassati, mm-hmm. um, that you're trying to attain greatness in holiness, right. Mm-hmm. And you want to be around people who not only will help you get there, but are also trying to get there. Um, because if, if they're trying to get there as well, they probably know, um, some things that you don't about, about the best way to do that. Mm. Yeah. And at the beginning of verse 41, it says those who accepted his message, which implies that there were some who didn't accept the message. Yeah. That struck me too. There was probably this difficulty at that moment of families being divided between some people who accepted the message and some people who didn't. Some people who um, noticed Peter's joy and wanted to strive after that joy and people who didn't. And it's it's always difficult to have to, um, to take a look at life and look at those friendships that are helping you and those friendships that aren't. Um, Father Mike gave a homily a few weeks ago. I don't remember how long it was. Um, well, it was probably around 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to make that joke. And I'm like, no, no. I well, if it was daily, it's only maybe about 15. But, like, if it's a weekend, then it's 20, 30. But. I, actually, I actually know a priest who bases, like, if he, his homily was too long or too short based on how long Father Mike's homily was for that weekend. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Mine was, like, kind of, I don't know. 25 30 minutes do you think that's too long i mean father mike he, he does pretty long homilies <laughs> like i don't know father <laughs> sounded good to me yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i don't remember how much time has passed since that homily that's a better way of putting it um but he was talking about how this group of martyrs um they were martyred by being frozen to death that yeah they were they had to, um, forgot how the story went, but basically they were, um, do you remember? They it? were soldiers who were, um, I'm forgetting right now, totally. I just remember they were stripped naked and put in the middle of this frozen lake. And meanwhile, there were soldiers, um, the people who were like in charge of the execution, who are in charge of executing the execution. <laughs> um and thanks for the chuckle <laughs> yeah they had no got, reaction got, got a chuckle out of me anyway <laughs> um they were basically hot tubbing during this whole time um and uh it would it was a lot easier for these martyrs to stick it out in the cold until they f- literally froze to death because they were all striving for this crown of martyrdom they were like no we're we're all here together and we're going to enter heaven together. And Father Mike made the comparison of like, but just imagine what it would have been like if you were the only one there. And it, that would have been insanely way harder. Yeah. Right. And especially when you can see the other soldiers 
um, like nice, nice and warm by the fire or whatever they were doing. And all they had to do was just refuse their faith to deny their faith. But because they were in such a solid community, they didn't. Well, and that, and that reminds me of uh, verse uh, 40 here. He says, he testified with many other arguments and was exhorting them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Um, you know, what you're saying about this martyrdom, it made me think about, about our, our current culture, where mm-hmm. the culture promises us, um, you know, wealth, pleasure, power, and honor. And all we have to do is give up this way of life and, and this, um, you know, Christian uh, belief and, and moral values. Um, and we get, and we can have, have it all. Um, but in reality, that's, that's such a hollow, you know, it's, it's such like a hollow childish, um, te- I mean, I don't want to say childish, but you know, it's kind of a hollow temptation because, you know, would you rather, would you rather have some fleeting temporary happy, worldly happiness or an eternity of you know the beatific vision and, and all this stuff right like when you put when you set it like when you like set it down side by side it's like obvious but in the moment it's it's a lot harder to kind of stick to your guns you know and it's interesting you bring that up because earlier today I was I I'm reading through the book of Exodus right now and I was reading about this part where the Israelites have just crossed over to Red Sea and they're like Moses, we don't have any food. Um, and they said, like, it would be better of us for us to have died in Egypt with um, good meat right next to us than for us to be dying here. And I, I was like, hold on. What good is that good meat doing you if you are dying and you are still a slave? It's like kind of that same thing that you were talking about, like, what good is anything that this world going to offer you if you are dying still a slave to this world when you can just have freedom for eternity to do the very thing that you were designed to do, which is worship God? Yeah, that was, I remember, um, for Lent uh, last year, both me and Juan were able to do uh, Exodus 90, and that was oh, one of the nice. big points because every day you had a little scripture reading that you were reading as you read, read, read along to the book of Exodus. And that was, I remember when that passage came along, I remember it, it, it saying like, bringing it, tying it to like how in Exodus 90 you're giving up, you have a lot of asceticisms of giving up a lot of the worldly desires that you have in your life. Like right now, like no social medias, no TV, no, no hot showers, fasting, uh, uh, fasting from meats Wednesdays and Fridays to, um, no snacks any, every day of the week to things like that. Just like how you turn away from those things and like how, even though they could be like, you could be still living good with them. It wouldn't be good for you. If you turn away from these worldly pleasures and concentrate more on what you're made truly for made for God to learn from him how much better your life can become and that's that was something I really that was one of the big points I took out of Exodus last year it was this really incredible experience but yeah yeah and we I I think it's fair to say that we became friends by doing Exodus so yeah you you become friends very quickly with the the, the other Exodus hey there's one there's one thing that uh we're all we've all done then yeah and you're not we didn't kick you out on that one and it's yeah (laughs) yeah and again that's another example of that community being able to um prevail because uh once we went into quarantine we can say that exodus became significantly harder because now instead of meeting 
in person every Sunday to kind of check in. Or daily with your anchor butt partner yeah. and stuff like that. We were now scattered throughout the state of Minnesota slash Wisconsin. Yep. Actually, I think I was the only Wisconsin and, or, guy yeah, yeah. there. But yeah, but still, the six of us or whatever there was left at the end of our, uh, yeah, it was, we were all just scattered and we'd be meeting via Zoom, which was, made it so much harder, but it also made it so much greater of an experience mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it was really a much hot, like the challenge became harder and it really just helped us test our faith and like really come to realize a lot more mm-hmm. what we are doing it for. Yeah. Yeah. For, for a lot of um, the Exodus 90 that I did, we were actually doing it because, because we were already scattered all over Wisconsin. We were just doing it all through um, Google Hangouts. Okay. Um, our, our, the, the priest that was, um, our spiritual advisor for it, he was up in Ottawa, uh, studying canon law. <laughs> and then I was, I was out in the country. I had a friend who was in superior and another one was in, uh, Hayward. So we're, we're all, all doing this together. Um, but I was actually down visiting my friend in Hayward, um, to, uh, take the ACT. And I just remember there's this great moment where, um, it was, it was, I think it was either in the evening or the morning and he sticks his head out of the bathroom door and he says, pray for me. And then he shuts the door and I hear the shower turn on. And uh-huh. it was just, it was this, it was just this great moment where like, yeah, this is like, this is what this is about, right? To, mm-hmm. to build each other up in that way. Yeah. You mentioned how Peter's exhortation is save yourself from this corrupt generation. And I just wanted, because we're kind of running out of time here. I just wanted to read um, this part where Peter is is quoting one of the Psalms. Because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Um, and I think that's the most beautiful part about the Holy Spirit, about how because the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit, we have this wonderful um, ability to not save ourselves, but to be saved um, because the Lord isn't going to let our souls abandon us to the netherworld. He's not going to let us see corruption. And he has shown us the, the path of life through the teaching of the apostles, a good community, prayers, and most importantly, the Eucharist, how the Lord is giving us these opportunities to, um, yeah, to come closer to him because he ultimately wants to save us because with him at our right hand, we shall not be disturbed. Amen to that. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that's probably about we're gonna have to cut off tonight. But uh, thanks, Aiden, for having coming on. It was really great having you on. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it was a really good conversation. So join us next week when we'll be talking to our friend Abby Bomer about fasting, praying, almsgiving, and some hypocrites as well. Yeah, and if you're a fan of The Main Scoop, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the.mainscoop and like us on Facebook at The Main Scoop. In the words of St. Lawrence, I'm done on this side. And I'm done on this side. I'm Juan Aragon. And I'm Nate Specht. And this has been The The Main Main Scoop. Scoop. Thanks for listening. God God bless. bless.